Welcome back to Resilience Radio. You'll notice a change in two of our upcoming episodes, namely on January 15th and January 22nd. On those podcasts, we will be offering a unique and exclusive look into the conversations between host Kim Addis and her friend David Wolf. Listen in as they review, analyze, and discuss real journals for the purpose of providing deep and intimate and intense coaching. We invite you to not only listen in, but to get in touch with us afterwards and give us your thoughts, your comments, and your feedback. We hope you enjoy this unique and unusual behind-the-scenes look into the world of coaching and the thinking behind one of North America's most recognized experts in thought management. Welcome back to Frame of Mind Essentials, where we teach and explore the essentials of frame of mind coaching through real-life journals, stories, and experiences. I'm David Wolf here, as always, with the founder of Frame of Mind Coaching, Kim Addis. Kim, always good to be with you. Hey, David. So hey. before we hopped onto this call, onto this recording, David and I were talking, and we were really talking about the idea of making decisions. And I wanted to, before we jump into journal reading and any of that, I think it's really worthy worthwhile to share our conversation with you yeah um, and and really what we're talking about is how do you make decisions that are life affirming or life fueling and uh, how do you know your decisions are good ones and it, it's a it's an interesting question because I think a lot of people come into that dilemma how do I make good decisions and what should I base my decisions on and this in particularly applies to um, how do you make decisions related to your career? Which direction should I go in? And there's a bit of a debate, right? And David, you and I spoke about it, whether it's go for what helps you make a living or go for what really fuels you up and, and creates passion for you. And right. Isn't that something that that's you and right? I, I mean, I, absolutely. That's like the two ends of the spectrum. And this is something that, you know, as I've been very uh, transparent with you and our conversations offline, something that I've struggled with him you know I'm a guy that actually had a lot of success during my what I'll call my earlier years right because I just so I so knew what I wanted to be doing that it wasn't even a question mark for me where I found as I've grown into adulthood and then beyond and the kids are out of the house and now I'm in my mid-50s reaching late 50s the questions I'm asking are different and the decisions are seemingly harder to make for reasons I don't entirely understand so so you know for me the question is one and the same is, um, you know, we often think about separating our passions from earning a living. And for me, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, um, you're only ever going to be earning a living. So in, in other words, it's never going to be a source of abundance for you ever. Right. Right. And so it's really critical to be passionate about what you're doing. And, you know, I've had a lot of bumps along the road in terms of building up my coaching business. But one thing that's never gone away, and it's you can hear it loud and clear across the phone, across the Internet, across any podcast, is that I'm super passionate about what I do. So for me, that trumps anything. If you're not passionate, you'll always only be making a living. And I will even say sometimes eking out a living because you're not really going to be living Right. That makes any sense. Right. Living so, in so, the other sense. Yeah. Yep. Right. So, so that's number one. But the second part of it is this, is once you make a decision, it's really important to get behind your decision and not start doubting your decision and wondering whether or not you made a good choice. Once you make a decision, throw yourself completely in the direction of, of the decision. So for example, in your case, you're doing podcasts and, and uh, you're very talented in this field. And so what would it look like if you really got behind this decision? 
Exactly. I know it's not a rhetorical question necessarily, but it's uh, an actual question. It's an actual question. So it would look very different because, like I experienced when I, you know, for those listening that may not know this about me, I spent about 25 years uh, producing music, writing and scoring music for radio, TV, and film. And there was absolutely no doubt. I mean, you know, it's like the Steven Spielberg when he says, I wanted it more than breathing. That's the way it was for me at age between like 20 and into my 30s. And I absolutely knew it. There was no doubt. And it came across and the passion and it, it was, I was aligned in a way that I haven't found since that chapter of my life closed out. So to your question, I know intellectually that, that if I got behind that decision and found all the things that I'm passionate about, whether it's the audio or the production or they're doing it differently than anybody else or repositioning in the world of, let's call it podcasting and radio production, talk radio, um, it, it would look a lot different. It would be uh, uh, um, an exciting, passionate universe that I've created for myself. And it almost is like deciding to decide as based on what you said earlier, right? It's, it's exactly that. But once you decide to get behind it, yeah. you also, your the view of what you're doing opens up. So let me go back to building a coaching business. There are lots of moving parts. I have a software company in addition to the coaching, right? right. We use Journal Engine and we license out that software. Well, I'm right. not a software engineer, nor do I need to be. Right. And so in conceptualizing what I want to do, I also have to be able to lift myself above the vision and say, okay, so I don't have to be the one who does everything. There are endless resources at my disposal that I can use, tap into, partner with to help us all kind of grow a bigger pie. And so the idea is once you make a decision, there are endless opportunities and resources right at your fingertips. And they only appear once you make the decision. Mm. So knowing that... It's the movement towards the decision, and then once you've made it, make the damn decision and really get behind it and put everything you've got into it, align yourself behind it, and then that world opens up into a million other things, uh, and oppor things opportunities, revenue streams, if it's a business, creative, creative experiences, all of these. In other words, it opens up multi multiple exactly. opportunities once... Because there's like this alignment that then goes bing and it opens it all up. That's right. Now, if you go back and listen to yourself yes. in the past five minutes, you will hear yourself peak in your passion in this last five minutes. And if all you do is listen to yourself speak and notice where your passion rises in your dialogue mm -hmm. and follow that course, follow that cue, mm -hmm. that's what you need to do. Okay. And, and, and as an audio editor and a dialogue editor, I mean, this is, I am going to be listening to this back <laughs> as painful as it can be at times, but truth, truthfully for and for those listening, I mean, I, I, I experience each of these multiple times because I'm going back and cleaning them up and doing the editing. So I'm going to hear what you just talked about and I'm going to have to be really objective about it, which is not always so easy, but, um, uh, it's easy to hear modulation. I mean, I'm trained for that. So I know that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm. So let's jump in. Let's jump into some. So you have journals for today, or what's uh, what's I cooking? Do. I okay. have a few journals. Right, I want to start with one in particular. Right. Um, it's short and sweet, but I think that uh, probably lots of people wonder about themselves. So here's here it is. Okay. Okay. You know, I was thinking. 
I have felt funny lately and Stuart has said for a while that I'm not the same Debbie. And then today one of my friends mentioned that I'm all over the place emotionally. Anyway, do you think I may have something? People do get MS or other things later in life. So I wonder if my roller coaster of emotions is something I should look into. So let me ask you this. Do you ever feel that way? Me? Roller coasters of emotions? Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's all kind of internalized for me. It's not, I'm not, I know we don't go to with the extroverted, introverted stuff, but I don't tend to express it as much until it gets to a certain threshold. But yeah, yeah. You don't think you're expressing it, but you are expressing it. So even at the beginning of this call, before anyone heard us, I said, hey, how's it going? You said, it's okay. And that's an expression. Yeah, right? I, which, I was like inviting which, you in because I knew that yeah, we could talk about Yeah, you were telling yeah. me things are not yeah. fantastic. They're not terrible. They're right. kind of mediocre, Yeah, right? right? So you are expressing it emotionally even though you're not saying things are mediocre. You're not using that language. You're right. still expressing it. It's the hidden language of, of the modulation or lack thereof or a few words that I choose that you're really tuned into in your coaching and just in your relationships because of who you are. Right. Sure. So, so the question is, this person is wondering whether or not they have something seriously wrong with them. And I would propose that a lot of people go through roller coasters of emotions internally or externally, obviously, or not so obviously, but we all go through that at one point in our lives or another, or repeatedly throughout the span of our lives. And lots of times they're triggered by events or situations or relationships or conflicts or whatever. We go through a a roller coaster of emotions. And that roller coaster means we're alive, we're living, we feel, we experience, we respond, we react, we internalize, we process. And here's the key, is that if you feel like your roller coaster is too hard to handle and it's making you nauseous, then what that's telling you is that the, the way that you interpret the events in your life are not aligned with the direction you're heading in. And so when you're feeling that emotional roller coaster and it doesn't feel exciting, but it feels kind of off or sick or bad or negative or even uh, depressed or really, really ragingly angry, whatever those emotions are that are on the negative side of the roller coaster, then ask yourself this critical question. What am I thinking about what's happening in my world that's causing me to feel negatively? So and and this is really important, it's not the events that cause you to feel negatively. It's the way you think about the events that cause you to feel negatively. And so, again, you guys are journaling, so journal and say, how am I thinking about this event that's causing me to feel negatively? And are my thoughts even true or am I making them up? Because we make up a lot of the stories about what's happening around us. And if I don't like what I'm thinking about this particular situation, how can I think about it differently so that I don't feel such a dramatic, you know, high and low regarding this situation? Mm-hmm. So, you know, is it MS? Well, it's unlikely to be MS. I mean, who knows? I guess it's possible. But before we go to a massive physical disease, what we can do is look at our thinking and how our thinking affects our emotions and start to regulate that a little bit, take ownership of it. And certainly the journaling is a wonderful way to do that. Um, and I know from my own practice doing that, uh, you, you begin to see, as you're writing, you're, you're seeing your own thoughts on the page and reading them back and reviewing them. And you can observe them as, a, as you can become the observer, observer of your own thoughts. 
Well, that's the that's the that's exactly the plan. When we're journaling through Essentials or any other program, yeah. um, journaling allows us to see where our thoughts are headed, and they allow us to assess whether or not our thoughts are really consistent and aligned with the goals we have and the desires we have. Yeah. You know, I, I remember, like, actually, just this morning, I was looking back over my journal, and I went, I don't know, a few months back, and just started to reread something. And I remember, I like, you talk to yourself when you journal. One of the, you know, I read a paragraph, and it said, "I'm an idiot. I'm so stupid. You know, I totally messed up." And da da da. And all that dialogue really isn't consistent with me being uh, intelligent, powerful, capable. It's co- totally contradicts. Right. what I'm really after. Right. Right. And so reading back, of course, it's months later, but I can catch myself and correct and say, hey, people make mistakes. It happens. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't actually mean I'm an idiot. Right. right. All it means is I made a mistake. Right. But the faster you catch yourself, the faster you course correct and the faster you put yourself back on the path of heading in the direction of your dreams and desires. When people do, do 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 folks that are working with you, Kim, on the journaling, do they ever ask you like, when I write, I sort of edit, you know, I'm I'm like editing myself for knowing that I'm the only reader. It's a weird kind of thing. I mean, does that subject ever come up? Like, how do you get sure. really raw and just write from the soul, from the heart, as opposed to, you know, constructing the writing in your journal? Yeah. Do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah. So, yeah, and, and maybe at the beginning when we coach people, pe- people are a little bit more guarded yeah. at the very beginning. That's a good word. But what happens is very, very quickly, a couple of things happen. Yeah. One is when you're working with a coach and you're journaling with them every day, you start to get to know each other, right? Because there's that communication that's going back yeah. and forth every single day. Yeah. The second piece is that the coach is trained to ask questions that get past the guard. It just, that's the way it is. So the guarding initially doesn't phase us, doesn't get in the way, doesn't interrupt, doesn't bother us, doesn't make any difference. Mm -hmm. And, And to us, it provides us with information. Like, what are you trying to manage? Usually when people are guarded, it means that they're entering into a phase of image management. They want to look good. And who doesn't, right? It's pretty normal. We all want to look good. But the question is, how do we want other people to see us? And what are we afraid that they will actually see? And that provides us with great information. So one is the way the relationship works, that it's very intimate and it's personal. The other part of it is the frequency of contact. And the third part of it is this, is that if, if David, if I share with you, are you going to be more or less guarded with me? I'm going to be less guarded because uh, exactly. we have open transparency that's shared. Exactly. Right. And so in front of my coaching, the relationship between the coach and the client is what transports the client to a new place. Nice. And so that magical connection that exists between the two is what creates a really special outcome. Yeah, yeah. So if I were coaching, it would be – I could be – less guarded and I would expect that whoever I'm coaching on the receiving end of that or the the, the the dance of the coaching experience would be we'd both be less guarded we'd be just more honest with each other and that as you said um, what was the word you used catapults or it propels yeah. the relationship and the experience of the coaching forward exactly so clients make major leaps forward because they're able to really strip down yeah right good stuff wow okay good so let's do another journal are you open up for that? Absolutely. Okay, so this one kind of makes me laugh, 
Um, I really, really enjoyed reading it, so I'm going to share it with you. Okay. I would love to have more moments of spontaneity and joy. I've had a taste of it, usually on vacation. To have that in regular life would be amazing. What does that look like? Tossing the scheduling schedule and doing whatever I feel like doing whenever I feel like doing it. Being caught up in the moment, savoring the taste, sound, scent, sight, or feeling. Yesterday, I decided to go to the mountains for the weekend. For me, this qualifies as spontaneous, even though I planned it five days in advance. LOL. I will not have an agenda or prearrange my meals. I'm just going to roll with it. Last week, I bought an espresso machine on a whim. Woohoo! On Friday, I called my neighbor and asked if she wanted to grab a coffee. We had a great time. I also want more joy and spontaneity when it comes to intimacy with my husband. I just need to relax and invite it in. I really love just being with him and the kids on vacation without anything planned or having any responsibilities. I want more of that. Should I get all formal with this and start tracking my moments of spontaneity on a spreadsheet? <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> what is jazz? It brings to the right. Yeah, right. Um, wow. That's so, that's so cute. Yeah. It's 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 hilarious because right. um, for all her great intentions of wanting to be spontaneous, she has this right. let's call it an anchor that brings her back into organization, structure. Right. right. Grounded. She needs to format, have it grounded. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Right. To feel so, sort of secure and all that. Yep. Right. And and right. creating a spreadsheet and all that stuff. Right. So for me, as a coach. I see that over and over again. People want one thing, but their tendency or their habitual nature takes them somewhere completely different. So does creating a spreadsheet increase her spontaneity? Like, what does that do for her? No, it just documents the spontaneity that she hopes she wants to to achieve or something. Right, And, and creating a spreadsheet actually isn't all that spontaneous, is it? No. It's more rigorous. It's structured. It's the opposite of spontaneity. Right. And so my job and and your job, whoever's listening, is to start to pay attention when your behavior completely contradicts your deepest, deepest desires and ask yourself, why do I do that? Where does that take me? What does that do for me? And what's the benefit I get in that? And you said it really well, David, is that you said it creates security, right? It gives her some grounding. It makes her feel safer. And often we do the very thing we don't want to do for the purpose of safety and security. Uh, which sort of relates back to my situation that we were talking about before we rolled tape today. So that's an interesting – you called it the rebound. In the decision-making rebound, like, like oh, grappling, swatting at flies to try to solve a problem that really isn't fundamental to the problem. It's not fundamental to your soul or your desire. You're just trying to figure out, well, in that one side of the spectrum, how to make a living versus being uh, – resolving the passion and moving through that door to uh, – so that everything else just effortlessly occurs. Exactly. I don't know if I said that quite. That's exactly right. And if we go back to that issue that we were discussing, a lot of people choose safe and secure over passionate. Why? Because they they have a belief that passion doesn't lead to financial abundance. Right. That it's a pipe dream. That it's a that it's you know um, something from the movies. That it's not possible or tangible or realistic. That's a key word. It's not realistic for me to be massively successful doing what I'm passionate about. And I will suggest to you that anyone who is massively successful is extraordinarily passionate about what they do. In fact, that is probably the most foundational and fundamental truth of their success. See, I know that because I've experienced that. 
So my job, and different from anyone else listening, is to figure out what is, and you asked this earlier, what's getting in the way of X? Right. Uh, so, and, and I'll say it differently. What beliefs do I have that are preventing me from massive success? What beliefs do I have that are preventing me from pursuing my passion? What beliefs do I have that are preventing me from even claiming my passion? And, and I've seen it a million times that people are afraid to claim their passion because they think they're too old, that they're past their due date, because they don't deserve it, because there's not enough time to see that unfold, because they have to be realistic and responsible and blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, I've never subscribed to the responsible. And uh, I mean, look, anybody, I can remember telling people, oh, I'm going to you know, be a jingle writer, you know, which is what they used to call what I did. And uh Oh, you'll never make it's so competitive. How do you, you know? And I was just charging. It was, uh-huh. it, you know, I was just beautiful. So, I mean, are you a good j- jingle writer? Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll send you my stuff. Yeah, I've got three reels that I'm, I'm pretty proud of. I mean, the stuff's 20 years old, but yeah. I'm, well, for those people listening, they might like to hear a jingle or two. Yeah, you never know. You never know. I, 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 I never sang my own stuff uh, other than an occasional demo here or there. A lot of my stuff was scoring and sound design. So, you know, a little more abstract, but definitely it was certainly in vogue during the period I was working. Some of it was songwriting. Some of it was cover tunes. Some of so, it was... wait, do you sing? No, no. I mean, I've sung. I, you know, I put myself in a few sessions, but I never sang as a solo guy. Nah. I did some voice work, of course. So you, you know, I do that. But um, yeah, oh, yeah. we can hear it. No, but mostly <laughs> I was behind the glass producing others. I was not I involved with actually. In fact, I didn't even play drums on my own session. I, mean, you know, I was originally a drummer and then became a keyboard player. And yeah. I, um, so that moved. You should, you should come to our house. We have a uh, a music room in our basement. Yes, I'll come up to. You're in Toronto? You're in Toronto, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, so it's a small music room, and it's supposed to be soundproof, but it really isn't. Right. Uh, but there are a lot of jamming sessions that go down. Right on. Uh, down, oh, go beautiful. Go on down there. And, um, it, you know, it's a place of real joy and, and passion for those yeah. people who use the room. So going back, what I wanted to really emphasize is for everyone to pay attention to the moments when their behavior completely contradicts their deepest desires. And it could be something like what I really want is to be close and intimate with my wife, but I'm so mad at her that I can't get myself there. Or what I really want is to be fit and thin, but let me go have three pieces of cheesecake for now. Yeah, where the behavior doesn't Right. Yes. It's like you know that you know that you shouldn't do it, but you go do it anyway because there's an yes. urge that you can't control or whatever. Or, or right. you know that you should do something, but you can't get yourself to do it. Right. And so then the question becomes, what beliefs do I have that are preventing me from having what I want, which is intimacy or well-being or whatever it is, right. or a great career, whatever it is. Right. Whatever it is. Fill in yep. the blank. Exactly. The passionate blank. Exactly. So I have one more journal. Can we do yeah, one more? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's have? do it. Okay. Right. Here it is. It's also a short one. I noticed yesterday that it's hard to keep myself accountable to my promises or goals for the day, especially if I don't write them down. I was supposed to work on a project for my team this week, and I found myself getting trapped in conversations with people at the office that were completely unrelated to my project. I allowed myself to get distracted and told myself that these conversations were important. Now I feel bad that I have not made any substantial progress with my work. I think a part of me just isn't motivated to get it done, and I've just been avoiding it. Sound familiar? 
<laughs> How many times you just like find other things to do instead of doing what you need to do or what you think you should be doing? How yeah. many times does that happen? How many conversations with clients have I had about their lack of motivation and feeling like they can't get stuff done and they're not making any progress and there's a mile list long of things that they should be doing but they just don't do? And I mean, it's an old story, right? right. Has it ever happened to you? Uh, if it does, I'm not in touch with it. I mean, I tend to be pretty, like if I set goals, I'm fairly responsible to them. I'd have to think about that further in terms of my own world. Okay, so let's, let's just jump in here. But why, why do people experience, let's call it procrastination, right? right? Why do they avoid things? And fundamentally, people procrastinate because of the way they think, because of their beliefs. Right. So a lot of people think, well, they're just lazy or they're not motivated or they're not driven or they're not wired to get things done. They're not just, they're just not that person. And that's the, probably the furthest thing from the truth. When people, when you don't feel motivated, it's really a reflection of a set of beliefs that say, I don't want to do this. I can't do this. I'm not equipped to do this. This is too hard. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough education. I don't really know what I'm doing. I feel stuck, etc. And that's the voice that may be hidden, but that's the voice that comes out in the form of procrastination or a lack of motivation. So when you're avoiding something, ask yourself, what am I avoiding? And what are the beliefs that I have that are causing me to avoid this? Yeah. And so at the end of the day, this is the same conversation over and over and over again. The beliefs you have dominate your, your life and they take over and translate into your behaviors. So when you're not doing things you want to be doing or when you're behaving in ways that are completely contradictory to where it is that you want to be going, ask yourself, what do I believe to be true here? And as many times as we've talked about those fundamental questions, which are ubiquitous to just about every situation I know you've encountered and we've talked about in all of these journals over, you know, 20-some sessions we've done, we still forget oftentimes to go back to that place. What are my beliefs that are affecting my behaviors, And as you've said there? At the end of the day, yeah. when you want to make massive change, but your beliefs don't change along with you, yeah. your change is not sustainable. Right. In order to make massive change, you must address the beliefs that cause you to behave in ways that don't lead you to your goals. And you must shift those beliefs. That's crucial. That means you have to challenge your beliefs. And in order to challenge your beliefs, you have to figure out what they are first. That's beautiful. Okay, good. Good stuff. I think we've wow. covered a lot. We did. Oh, well, we, we covered tremendous amount of ground. Thanks, Kim Addis. And uh, by the way, you should submit your own journals to the team here at Frame of Mind Essentials. Yes, submit to- your journals for review to one of our coaches, and they will happily, happily review your journal. And if anyone's interested in learning more about coaching, reach out to. We're always happy to talk about that as well. Absolutely. All right, Kim, thanks as always. Thanks for listening, all of you guys, and uh, we'll see you next time.